this month we are talking about uh, our worldview, uh, how we view things, uh, having a biblical perspective. Um, and we uh, powerful time together last week thinking about that. If you if you miss that service, go back. That was kind of the introduction of all the ideas that, that we're talking about throughout this month. Uh, I just want to tell you that if you don't do something about this, you will be impacted so strongly by the world around you. The world is not letting up. You know, what we're talking about here uh, is, you know, about the only place you're going to hear it's in church. Uh, unless you're listening to some other preachers or whatever, you know, you, no, nobody's talking about this like in the world around us. They just are seeking to bring a domination of, of your thinking about the culture around us. So we're working hard uh, to think about these things, to think about uh, the recognition that there's a declining sense of morals uh, in, in the, the nation where we live. Um, we can see it all around us. I mean, you see it in every aspect of life, politics, business, sports, academics, uh, entertainment, even in churches. Um, I mean, we, you know, the typical thing every week is the latest scandal that's going on, right, uh, in some area uh, of our life. And so I want to talk to you today about how to think about what is true, how we're going to make decisions about that, because everything around us is uh, trying to help us uh, think in their ways or think about the culture around us. Uh, so uh, thinking about uh, these values. Now, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. That's that. I just ran out of the grave line, right? Uh, it's gonna, this setting me free from the thing you know, that I'm in bondage to. So, uh, you know, you kind of break down those words. He's saying, these are words of Jesus. You, he, he's talking to all of us. He's recognizing that what he's saying in this verse is available for us to discern and to recognize. You will know. He's making it possible. It's not like he's hiding uh, the truth from us. He wants us to recognize. You will know know the truth. He does not say you will know a truth. He, he does not just say you will know some generic. You will know the truth and the truth. He says that twice right there. You see that? You will know the truth and the truth will, not maybe, not possibly, but if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Freedom comes from the truth. The more you know the truth, the freer you are in your spirit, in your life, in your family. Uh, the, the opposite is true. The more you give up on truth, the more you forfeit freedom. Lots of conversations that I have, I realize that there are people that believe certain things about truth, but they don't always apply them to themselves. Right? You might say... I think this is true, but I might not necessarily apply that to myself. I somehow, I somehow uh, sort of been exempted from that. But the truth will set you free. Not just your brother, your sister, uh, your friend. God will set you free through knowledge of the truth. Uh, so that's what we're talking about today, recognizing uh, the truth that God has in mind for us. Now, last week, I mentioned to you that uh, this idea about uh, sincerity, uh, 
You know, the sincerity myth was that it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That's all that matters. Uh, so we talked about that in detail. But I told you that I have been sincerely wrong many times. So have you. Uh, we, you know, after this service, you can decide to pull out the driveway and drive down the wrong side of veterans. You can be as sincere as you want, but if you don't watch out, you're going to have a collision and maybe a problem with your car and maybe a problem. And even if somebody comes along, you know, somebody might be yelling out the window, don't do that. Don't go that way. It's the wrong way. It would be silly for you to say, who are you to tell me what to do? might be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. See, that, that's what we're talking about today, this, this whole idea of relativism. Maybe sometimes you hear the term postmodern. Uh, that, that, that's the idea that there are really no absolutes. Have, have you heard that one? Uh, somebody would say, well, there are no absolutes. Well, that's absolutely a, a, just a ridiculous statement. Even saying there are no absolutes is like an absolute, isn't it? It's illogical. doesn't make any sense. Um, whenever somebody says there are no absolutes, I want to say, are you absolutely sure? Um, so, you know, it's not workable. It's not usable. It's irrational. But the entire world operates on absolutes all the time. Um, I, I, I noticed that when people go to the pharmacy, they don't say, just give me whatever you got. You know, nobody turn, you know, you don't want the pharmacist to say, well, I'm out of that, but I got something else that'll probably work for you. Mm -mm. You know, we want absolutely the right mix, the right medication. We want it to be uh, absolutely right. You know, um, you know, I noticed that stop signs are absolute. You know, it, a stop sign does not mean um, you don't have to absolutely stop. You can stop if you feel like it. Well, you might get away with that once in a while, but can you imagine the traffic problems you would have if we had no absolute traffic laws? What would that be like? I'd say Chicago. How about that? that one, that's, that's, that's a good one. Um, you know, if you want to cross over five lanes, and, uh, like other, just go ahead. It'd be just total chaos. Um, you know, I, I noticed that we have absolutes like, um, you, ever, you ever noticed that we have absolutes in Scrabble? You ever play Scrabble? You know, somebody comes up with this word sickle fencer and, uh, you know, it's 57 points. I mean, it's got to count. Uh, and you say, no, 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 no. And what do you do? You pull out the dictionary or get on your phone and say, okay, let's check this out because I'm not giving you those points just because you've said so. You know, there's some absolutes. Uh, that are, so in relativism, what's happened is that people value tolerance more than truth. Tolerance more than truth. Uh, the supreme value of the culture is let's be tolerant. It's more, more important to be tolerant than to be truthful. I mean, if you're, if you're truthful, then you're considered intolerant. Um, you know, it's, it's like being uh, judgment. As a matter of fact, society has changed the, and redefined the word tolerance. Tolerance used to mean that we might totally disagree about something, but I still respect you because you're a human being made in the image of God. That, that was the idea. You were made in God's image, and although we might disagree about politics or morality or whatever it might be, we can still get along together. Now the word means, tolerant means, all ideas are equally valid. That, that's the culture now. Uh, you know, that's nonsense, really. 
all ideas are not equal. I mean, you can say the moon's made of rock and somebody else will say the moon's made of Swiss cheese. Uh, those are not two equally valid ideas. You know, you could say, well, the earth is round or the earth is flat. Those are not equally valid ideas. You know, truth is not new. I mean, it's been around forever. You know, we discover new things in science or you read a, a, another cure that's come along. You know, the truth is that the truth has always been there. Sometimes we're just beginning to understand what it is. Uh, there's nothing really new about it. Truth is always truth. It always has been. Um, so if, you know, if you're in an accident and you're laying down on the side of the road and you're bleeding and somebody walks up to you and says, you need a doctor, you're bleeding to death, you're not going to say, I don't really want to hear that. You're being a little judgmental toward me. Uh, the truth is the truth and it's always been the truth. So that's what we're talking about here, worldview and how damaging it can be. And if we don't take effort, the reason we're taking this whole month is if you don't do something about this, if you don't make some changes here, the culture will seek to overwhelm you. All kind of things happen. So I want to give you like some things you see in culture. That's what's on, on our outline. Signs of, let's call this truth decay. You know, uh, you know what tooth decay is, right? If you don't go to the dentist and you got tooth, you know, you don't know you have tooth decay when it first starts. Uh, it's happening on, in your teeth there. And then eventually you start having problems with it. And you go to your dentist and he tells you you're going to have to do something about this. Because it can happen uh, so easily and without us even knowing. So let's talk about truth decay. How do you recognize truth decay in the culture? I'll give you several things. Number one, one is uh, immaturity. Immaturity happens when you give up on the truth and you value tolerance more than the truth. And that's the way our society is becoming. I mean, one of the ways you see that is that we are less willing to accept responsibility which that is a mark of maturity. When there's no right, there's no wrong, there's no standard uh, of true, true and false, we act in irresponsible ways. Um, you know, you have some people probably in your life, don't elbow them or whatever, but maybe they're out there somewhere in your life that never grow up. They act like a kid, they're juvenile, they blame other people for their problems, they just act in ways where they, uh, there's no right or wrong and they just kind of pass the buck. Um, you know, I, I expect so-and-so to take care of me or I expect somebody else to handle my problem. I expect the government to handle my problems because I'm irresponsible, that's immaturity. Uh, I can I can change my mind. You know, we have people that one day be they believe this and another day they believe this and the next time they believe this. The Bible says, look at this verse, Ephesians 4, 14. We will no longer be immature like children. Paul is asking us to take a stand. We will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Now, that's written a long time ago. Sounds like this week, doesn't it? Just the, the, the things that p people want you to believe. Uh, it makes you think about all the rumors that you heard in junior high. You know, when you're in junior high, you know, or middle school, uh, you know, somebody tells you something and you go, and then somebody tells you something else and you go, and then you hear something and whatever the latest thing that you hear, because it's like, uh, like gossip, um, you know, reckon, you know, I noticed uh, down in our nursery that our nurseries. You know, we try to manage it, but our kids have no organization. Those toddlers, 
I mean, you change their diaper, but they, they, don't, they don't care about anything else. Uh, they're, just, they're just totally out of control, and uh, they're playing and enjoying themselves, and uh, they, they want things. They want what they want. Uh, you know, if we let our society be like that, uh, we, we begin to have trouble. So we have questions then about our maturity. Let me ask you, or ask yourself, um, when do you act childish? When do you tend to be irresponsible? When do you pass the buck and don't accept responsibility for your own actions and behavior? In what areas of your life do you tend to blame other people? Um, you know, when you blame others, you are being irresponsible. It's a mark of truth decay. There's another one. Number two, immorality is a mark of, of truth decay, immorality. Now, a lot of times when you use a term like immorality, people think immediately about sexual immorality, but that's not the only kind. Immorality simply means no morals. I do, it means I do whatever I want to do. If there's no standard of right and wrong, the Bible tells us all the way back in the book of Judges that when there was, there was no king, there was no ruler, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Uh, in other words, everybody just did whatever they wanted. Sounds like our culture, doesn't it? No standard of right and wrong, no truth. Uh, you know, I can be the center of the universe. I can be concerned about myself, my own self-involvement, preoccupied with myself, self-centered, my pleasure, my goals, my getting ahead. It really doesn't matter. Listen to what the Bible says, Ephesians 4:19. They, talking about the world, the culture, they don't care anymore about right and wrong. And they have given themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. So you can see Paul is talking about this very issue in Ephesians chapter 4 from those last uh, two verses that we saw. Here's how truth decay works. When you do something wrong, uh, every time you do it, it gets easier to do, right? Um, yeah, I'm sure you figured that out. You know, the first time you do something wrong, it's, it bugs you. I mean, you feel it, you feel bad about it, you have these warning lights that go off, but the more you do something, the easier it becomes. And all of a sudden, it doesn't bother you anymore to lie, to lie to your friend or your husband or your wife or somebody else. It just gets easier. So the more immoral, that means without morals, the more immoral society becomes, the more they make fun of morality. You notice that? You watch any uh, TV shows lately? They, they love to mock morality. They love to mock things that are true. Proverbs 14, 19, I didn't print this one for you, but it says, uh, the stupid ridicule the right and the wrong. It's from the message. Uh, so how do you know if truth is decaying in your life? Well, you start rationalizing things. I've told you many times, you've heard me say this, a rationalizing of something is a rational lie. A rational lie. Rationalize is when you make up excuses in your own mind about what you say is right or wrong. In your heart, you know it's wrong, but you don't want people to look down on you or judge you, so you make up a lie to kind of cover what you do. It's a rational lie. Don't do that. How, how do you know if truth is decaying in your life? What do you rationalize about? What are you trying to rationalize in your life right now? Uh, I'm not just talking about obvious sins, but I'm talking about recognizing even your lifestyle. Uh, you know, I'm too busy. I don't have time to take care of this and that, uh, trying to rationalize things. Yeah, but. That's a good rationalize right there. Yeah, but. Um, sign of truth decay. Immorality, uh, immaturity. Here's a big one. Um, this one is unreality. Unreality. 
Unreality is a sign of truth decay in our society, in our businesses, in our lives around us. When stop, people stop believing truth, they'll believe anything. So we become gullible. Um, you know, I met people, have you met these people that put more trust in a rock than they do Jesus? Some kind of crystal or something. They, um, I mean, I know people, you won't believe this. I know people that look online or in a newspaper and look up the time when they were born and they put the basis of how they think about their life on the basis of a horoscope. Can you believe that? <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's choosing some other idea that's going to speak truth into my life over against uh, Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 2.12. Since they refuse, I probably need to, I, no apology. I'm sorry, but if you love, if you read horoscopes and all that stuff, um, yeah, uh, I probably just got in trouble with you, but don't write me or anything about that. Okay? <laughs> this, 2 Thessalonians 2.12. Since they refuse to trust truth, they're, they've banished to their chosen world of lies and illusions. Uh, so there are a lot of things in our life that they try to make look like it's true. I'll, you know, I'll just give you some examples. Do you believe the illusion that if I have more, my life is more secure? A lot of people believe that. That's an illusion because you can lose everything. An uh, illusion of having more will make me more happy. Uh, there's lots of people that have plenty that are very unhappy. Having more will make me more valuable. You know, your value and your valuables are not the same thing. Those are illusions. Those are lies that the culture uh, tries to tell us. Um, so in this world of unreality, it, fact and fiction get blended together. We don't value truth. Uh, then we sort of idolize. We idolize people around us, celebrities, politicians, people. Uh, you know, some of the people that we, that we honor, the, that we kind of celebrate the most in our society is actors. You know, they just had a worship service last Sunday. You remember that? They call it the Oscars. I think that's what it was. Um, they, uh, I'm on a roll here. Sorry about that. It's just funny to me. Do you know what actors do? I mean, I'm not against actors or acting, but actors are great at pretending. That's what they do. They pretend to be one thing when they're really not that. They're just playing a role. And, and so we lift that up as a great thing in our society. And what they are is just great pretenders. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be an actor. I, I can't do it. I know, uh, but it, it's just what, what, what do we value in the society uh, that we're in? When we don't value truth in our lives, uh, there's truth uh, decay. So where, let me ask you this. Where are you pretending? Where are you faking it? Just ask you, what, what am I faking? What am I pretending in, in, in my life? You know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, there's, there's this myth of the Titanic. The myth of the Titanic was that they figured that if they built a ship in a certain way, that it would be unsinkable. You know what the way was? The word in that blank is compartmentalize. Compartmentalize. They decided, you know, if a ship normally hit something, had water coming into it, it would sink the whole ship. So they decided if we compartmentalize it, that means if water starts coming in one area uh, of the ship, then the rest of the ship will be uh, protected. How'd that work out? Not very well, did it? 
It didn't, it didn't matter. Once that water started coming in, it began to sift into the whole thing, sunk the whole, the whole ship. You might think about your life like that. I can kind of compartmentalize this one. What, what kind of area of my life do I have some sin in there? I'm kind of just kind of protecting that. Or what, what area of my life am I not living in relationship to what Christ wants me to live? You know, you begin to compartmentalize your life. I want to tell you, you always sink. Whatever you're trying to hide, he's encouraging us. Live by the truth, uh, not just compartmentalize. i got a couple more. Um, idolatry, idolatry. Uh, th that's one where we see uh, it's a symptom in our culture. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, we idolize the wrong things. You know, when I don't know right from wrong, when I don't know the truth, then my priorities and my values and things I worship get all messed up. We idolize wealth. We idolize success. We idolize physical beauty, right? We idolize athletic ability. We idolize intelligence. We idolize popularity. We idolize cars and houses. We idolize uh, the way somebody, uh, the things somebody else has. Um, you know, today, because truth decay is taking place in our culture, we kind of flip-flopping values toward the wrong things rather than the right things. Um, you know, we still, in, uh, across the world, we still kill human beings, babies that are conceived by God. You know, that, that's messed up, right? Uh, and we have all this debate and battle about it. Um, if you watch TV very much, they will constantly mock and ridicule marriage. But they'll support gay marriage and a gay lifestyle. Um, you know, the Bible says in Romans 1.25... They exchanged the truth of, about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Here's the question for us. What are we idolizing? What do we think so highly of? Are we thinking most highly about the wrong things or the right things? Have I been idolizing the wrong thing? Immaturity, immorality, unreality, idolatry, one more, injustice. Injustice is a sign of truth decay. When there's no standard of right and wrong, there's no truth and no falsehood, then you can kind of get away with anything. Listen to Isaiah, Isaiah 59, 14. Our courts oppose the righteous and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets and honesty has been outlawed. I mean, if that's the damage of truth decay in our society, it happens all around us. In, uh, so what's the solution? Uh, it's reversing the tide. Uh, you know, you're not going to reverse what's happening in our culture through politics. Good luck with that. Not through legislation. It's by the people of God being people of truth. The Bible calls it being salt and light in the world around us, being people who stand for truth in a society, in a culture that says everything is relative, anything goes in society. So how do you know what the truth is? I, is there a way to know the truth? Uh, absolutely. And, and that's where we're headed right here. How do I know uh, what is true? You know, um, deciding this is like a turning point in your life. That's why I said everybody has to, has to make this choice. I remember, um, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian home, and I was very influenced by my mother, which means she didn't put up with nothing. I mean, she had a way that 
I was going to live my life, and as long as I can remember, I never remember a time where she didn't raise me like I was, like I was a Christian. Um, you know, but one of, the, one of those days, I got in my little yellow Toyota, and I was in South Carolina, and I drove myself to Nashville, Tennessee, and went to college. And they weren't there. Nanny, nanny, nanny. <laughs> right? You know that feeling, don't you? You remember that? When you, you have this opportunity, um, you know, they're there. I still hear her, but I'm not paying as much attention as I once was. I mean, I went to a Christian college and all that stuff, but like I said, they weren't there. And there were lots of opportunities, even at a, I'm in Nashville, woo, you know, you have all kinds of opportunities that are there. And so you, you come to the place where you got to make a decision. Took me a little while. Took me some months to think, to think all that through. You know, I was thinking, you know, whew, I, don't, I don't really have to go to church. Nobody getting me up, even if I have to miss an hour's sleep or whatever. You know, nobody's making me do anything. You know, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Everything, everything's fine, Mom. Don't worry about anything. But you have to come to the place where you decide, how am I going to live? Who am I going to be? You know what? In that little in-between time, you can mess yourself up. I mean, I'm, I'm a witness, but I'm done witnessing right now. So, because you are too. And you come to a place where you've got to decide what's the truth. What am I going to live for? So I'm not just talking about making a decision in church and kind of just going my way. I mean, you've got to decide how you're going to work. How are you going to live and how are you going to be around people and how are you going to deal with your friendships and the people you... I mean, you've got to decide all these things on the basis of what's the, what's the truth. Am I going to live for Christ? Am I going to live according to the word? So i got some ideas here. Uh, how do you know the truth? I'll just give you some of these quick. Uh, one way you know is through creation. Through creation. We know what's true through creation simply by looking around at the world, Right? We learn a lot about God. We learn a lot about truth just by looking at the world uh, he created. Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, it's not even just the Bible. I can learn about God just by walking around outside. First thing I notice is that God's into variety. If you don't believe it, just look down your row. There's nobody else like you in this room. You're totally unique. God's into variety. Uh, he, he loves making all kind of different. You're going to see it when the spring starts, right? All kind of different colors and flowers. I say bring it on. Um, God is created. He loves diversity. God is powerful. Look at nature. I mean, all you got to do is look at like a volcano. When we went to Hawaii a couple years ago, we just went and visited this volcano. It was the most amazing thing. I mean, you're talking about powerful. Uh, God is able to, uh, to create things uh, great and powerful. We recognize that from creation. We can see it around us. So we can learn things about God through the creation that he created. Uh, some other things. Um, how about this? We know what's true through conscience. Conscience. There are some things that we are hardwired to know. Our conscience tells us things. Here's the verse. Um, Romans 2, 14, 15. Even Gentiles, 
who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they, are in, when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their what? Hearts. It's written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they're doing what is right. Uh, you can see that. Um, you know, you, happens all the time. I was in somewhere the other day, and there's this little, there's this little old lady, and she's not, uh, she was in her 90s, I think. Uh, somebody said she's blind, she's in a walker, and she's in a larger city here area, and she's going to cross the street. Um, now, you got three options, right, when you see that. Uh, one is you can ignore her and let her do it on her own. Uh, two is you can help the blind lady across the street. Or three, you can just kind of push her out into traffic. I mean, you got three options. Uh, now, we know what the Christian thing to do would be. But as I noticed, it, it wasn't just a Christian thing. There were just a bunch of people long before. I, I just saw it from a distance, and, and here they come. And it, I don't know if they were, but they could have been Christians. They could have been anybody. People know that that is the right thing to do, right? To, to reach out and to help her. That's the way God wired us. Uh, it shows us that it's written in our hearts. See, the problem, though, with conscience is that it's one of the least reliable sources of truth. Because the Bible teaches us that your conscience can be weakened. Your conscience can be hardened. Your conscience can be perverted. It can be killed. I mean, we look at some of the terrible things that happen in the world around us, and somebody's conscience has just got messed up, right? So the point I'm making is that there are things around you that God hardwired into your life to help you think about what's right and what's wrong. Again, it's not perfect. It's not the Word of God, but it does help us think about right and wrong. Uh, number three, let's call this one consideration. Creation, conscience, consideration. Uh, consideration means that uh, truth is knowable. It's something that we can think about. You just don't get truth by faith. You can test it. You can think about it. You can experiment it with it. T truth is testable. It's verib verifiable. I have um, on my phone, one of my favorite things about my phone is this lovely thing called GPS. <sighs> so happy about that, right? I mean, I, don't you remember maps? <laughs> You're searching, trying to figure out how I'm going to get there and all this. Global positioning uh, system. Pretty, pretty cool. For a long time in my life, God and his word has been not my global positioning system, but God's positioning system. The word of God gives us direction. I know you love that. It, it tells the phone is able to tell you where to go. Well, that's what the Word of God is doing, reminding us that it's God's positional system, helping us to know uh, how we think about things and what we're involved in. You know, for 40 plus years, I've called the Bible my God's positioning system. It is true. I've seen it over and over again. It always takes me to where it wants me to be. I don't always feel comfortable getting there. I don't always like what it has to say, but it has never, never taken me to some place that I didn't, didn't need to be, where God, I, I took some consideration. I had to think about it. You know, God gave you a brain. God gave you and a brain, he expects you to use it. Some people say, well, why doesn't God just write it in the sky? He already wrote it down. 
He already gave us his word. We're not waiting for some message in the sky. He's asking us to use our brains and to think about what is the truth. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14 says, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. Prudent means that you're thinking through it. You're evaluating. You're thinking uh, what, uh, what is the truth. Uh, Jesus said, John 3, anyone who examines this evidence will come to stake his life on this, that God himself is the truth. I could use an amen right there, I think. We examine it and recognize that God is the truth. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. You wonder why God doesn't speak to people the way that he used to speak to people in the Bible? It's because the Holy Spirit is with you every moment. He's speaking to you. That's what the Holy Spirit means, that he has taken up residence inside a person who is a believer. Uh, so recognizing the work that he wants to accomplish, the way he wants to speak to us. Number four, creation, conscience, consideration. How about this? Number four, commandments commandments the word says all scripture is inspired by god and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives it corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right so we discover the truth uh, in our in our life in our relationship with god we just discover the truth uh through his scripture now I'm going to skip a little bit here, but I, there's a lot of external evidence. There's a lot of internal evidence. You know, the Bible is true. The Bible is the word of God. Uh, here's what I'll say. Some people uh, like to say that the problem with the Bible is that, uh, yeah, how can you know for sure that it's the truth? Uh, is it have I just want to tell you that there is, so much, there is more truth about the, the reality of the Bible all, all the way back to the beginning than there is in just about everything else that you believe in. There's clear truth that it's the Word of God. That it's not just somebody's mindset or somebody uh, that wrote about it. So uh, be in the Word of God. Truth of the matter is, you know, the, if the Bible just stays on your shelf, if the Bible is just something that you talk about, so what do you do? Uh, get our mobile app. Uh, it's a great one. The mobile app, every day it'll give you four different scriptures from the Old Testament, the New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, keep you in the Word of God. If that's, if that's something that you're struggling with, uh, there's an avenue to do it. There's all kind of opportunities, ways that you can be involved in that. As a matter of fact, on Wednesdays uh, during the 7 o'clock service, we are doing an overview of the Bible right now. We're gonna, for the next 12 weeks, we're gonna, I'm going to give you all kinds of ideas and insight into the Word of God in, in your life. We do that kind of stuff around here all the time. Why? We want you to be in the word of God because God's commands help us understand his truth. Last one. Number five, creation, conscience, consideration, commandments, Christ, through Christ. God came to earth to personify the truth. The Bible says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was the incarnation of truth. He personalized truth. You know, truth is not some principle. Uh, truth is a person. Truth is relational. Truth is someone that you can relate to. One of the clearest words in the Bible, here it is. I am, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice he doesn't say, uh, he, he says I, he doesn't say religion. He doesn't say race. He doesn't say ritual. He doesn't say rules and regulation. It's a person. Truth is a person. I am not. Not I might be, not I hope to be, not I wish I could be, not I'd like to be. I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's what separates Jesus from every, every other person on the planet, every other teacher. He is the truth. People say, well, I'm a prophet of the truth. That's what Muhammad said. Or Buddha said, I'm searching for the truth. Um, all kinds of people looking for the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth, which either makes him a lunatic or God. You got your choice. You know, if I said that, you'd think I was crazy. But he says it. Because he's the living God. And so either 4 billion people on this planet are believing a lie that he was nuts or he knew what he was talking about. And he is uh, the truth. So what are you basing your life on? What are you, what are you betting your life on? Uh, I'll just give, you, uh, just give you three things. What do you do with this truth? First of all, I encourage you to believe it. Believe it. Put your trust in The Bible tells us to continue to believe in the truth. To believe it. Number two, do it. Truth is not just an intellectual kind of exercise. It's something that we practice. Take it home with you. Work it out. Think about it. How does truth work inside your house? How does truth work inside your marriage? How does truth work as a parent? How does work, truth work at school as a student? How does, how does that truth work out in your life? You can decide I'm going to be situational. And so I'm going to be one way over here and one way over there. Or I'm going to decide this is the truth. I believe it. I'm going to do it. Lastly, I encourage you to do it in love. Do it in love. Now, here's our closing. I told you last time we were going to focus on posture. Remember posture? Uh, why don't you stand up if you would? Let's see. Um, help, come help me, Phil. All right, last week we talked about posture. And we talked about how easy it is. If you just stand with me right here, he's going to be my little model today. All right. All right. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about posture like this. Okay, would you do this? All right. Remember, a little, little higher. There we go. There we go. All right. <laughs> we talked about that we come in, we live many times in resistance to God, right? Me and you have talked about this a bunch of times. Uh, um, when I met Phil, uh, he was living in resistance to God. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. that's, that's true. You told me that, so that's why I said it. Um, <laughs> many of you, many of you, sometimes unbeknown to yourself, even as a believer, sometimes you resist God's will, right? Just nod your head. We resist God's will. We know God is speaking to us, and we resist him. So I'm asking you, when you're thinking about your worldview, to tell God, I confess to you, I sometimes don't do what you want me to do. I sometimes avoid being the person that you want me to be, whether I act it out or whether I just think about it. But what I'm asking you to have as a worldview is to put down your resistance and surrender. Did you lift them like that? Surrender. Would you do that? Instead of this, you're going to do this. This says I surrender. This is what we did last week, right? Remember? I surrender. I'm going to follow Jesus. 
I'm going to follow his way. I like that. I like having a visual in my life where I can say, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of this, and I surrender. So that was our first posture. You can put them down. All right, posture number two is uh, let's just kind of hold our fist in like this. And we're not in that resistance mode as much as we are in protected mode. You see, uh, Phil is... Uh, protecting this part of, you know, his, the, the vulnerability and the heart that's there, you know, he's, he's protecting that because he, um, you know, he's, he's, he's got his own agenda, kind of focused on himself at times. And so we, we live a lot of our life like this, don't we? Like, don't bother me. Don't hurt me. Don't, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, you, you can even squeeze your shoulders in a little bit. You know, that, that becomes our posture, right? You're not just with Phil, are you? You're, you, you do that, right? You live in that. Now, here, here's, what, here's what the Word of God says that our worldview should be. To love God with all my heart and soul and strength and to love others as myself. All right. So um, we got to do something different than that, don't we? All right. So we're going to practice on him. You can go back to that. All right. He's got all this protection. So we're going to say uh, that Phil's worldview is love God with all my heart, soul, and strength. So I'm going to lift up and I'm going to reach up and grab my relationship with God. That's pretty good posture right there, isn't it? That's pretty good. All right. So this one's still there, so we're only about halfway there because there are a lot of people that say they love God but really don't like people very much. Might be some of y'all. <laughs> so God says, this is one of my postures. But that's unequal. I'm still not open and vulnerable here. I'm still kind of protecting myself right there. So one posture there, and then this is the other posture. He reaches down, and he's joined hands with somebody around him. That, that's what he's talking about with the worldview, that on the basis of the truth that I do these two things, I reach up to God, and I reach over to my brother and my sister. Notice what happened to his heart what happened to you? All of a sudden, he's open. He's vulnerable. He's, so um, let's go back. Let's do it all together now, all right? You ready? Here's our posture, all right? Um, let's tell God and then confess to him that sometimes I'm very self-protective, right? Sometimes I'm very focused on myself. Uh, I love God. You can be a Christian and, and have this posture. Sometimes I'm just very protective and inward in myself. God says... I want you to live according to the truth. I want your worldview to be love for God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Would you reach up and just grab hold of him? Isn't that a good posture? And then he says, I want you to love your neighbor. You know, he didn't say, I want you to love somebody that's the same color as you, the same economic status as you, somebody that's nice to you at school or at work. He said, love who? Everyone to love others the way that God has loved us. So I got this relationship with God, and now I have this relationship with Phil and everybody else in my life, and I join hands with people around me. That is the posture of the right worldview. I love God, and I love others. Our world is messed up because people love to talk about God or whatever they believe in, but many times this is messed up. 
We got to be an example out there in the world around us. I'm not asking you about your posture in church. I'm asking you about your posture in your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for teaching us through your word. Thank you for being such a clear example of what the truth is. Thank you, Lord, that it's not just about keeping certain commandments or whether I go to church or not or some other thing that we can label. It's about our relationship with you. So today our posture is, I love God. I love his word. I follow Christ. Help me not to rationalize my life and live in my own way. Break down my resistance. Help me to be vulnerable and open to the things of God. Help me not to decide that truth is what the culture says. What does God say? I love God and I follow Christ. And Lord, help us to love others. Help us not only to love the people that love us. You said that was easy. We get it. Help us to love our enemies. Help us to love people who have perspectives different than us, beliefs different than us. Help us to be an example. You said in your word, the people in the world around us will know who we are by our love. So help us to love those people we work with. It doesn't mean we have to you know, take in everything and agree with everything. It simply means that our heart is open and vulnerable and that our worldview is on the truth. And the truth is, love God with all this in me and to love others just as you've loved me. Teach us, Lord, how to have the right posture toward you, to your truth, and to your work and presence in our life. We dedicate that to you today, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.